Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hello, 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 and good morning. I want to encourage you to find your seat if you can. It's good to see all of your beautiful shining faces this morning and the chatter amongst all of you and the fellowship and the love that's being shown. That's amazing to hear and to witness. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark Goins, and I'm the Worship and Arts Director here at Refresh Community Church. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank y'all. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I have, the, I have the honor and the privilege this morning to preach the Word of God, which I'm very excited about. Um, it's something that I'm just truly, truly thankful for. Before I get started, I just want to thank um, our leadership, thank Pastor Carlos for affording me the opportunity to bring the Word of God today. Uh, we have so many gifted uh, preachers and leaders here at our church, and so I'm glad to just be a part of the number and have the opportunity to share with you. Um, I also just want to give honor to uh, my wife, Marquita, on the front row. <laughs> Thankful for her support and her love and how she uh, just prays for me and encourages me um, is so, so needed. Um, and then also want to just show honor to the people who birthed me, my parents. Uh, my, my, my dad, who is, is pastor for 20 years, and now he's the mayor of Alton, Illinois. And... and uh, first African-American mayor in 200 years. And so he's not only a man of God, he's a mayor of God. He's, he's a mayor of God. And then to my beautiful mother, First Lady Sheila Goins, love you so much. So beautiful, appreciate you. To my kids, little rascals, love you guys. <laughs> So, uh, man, <clears throat> why don't you join me in standing? We're going to read from Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. That is the text for today. If you do not have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen there. And it reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your spirit, God, that empowers me to stand before your people. Speak through me. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seats. This month here at Refresh, we have been in a sermon series on the spiritual disciplines, or in other words, practices that help us draw near to God, entitled Relentless, A Passionate Pursuit of Jesus. Pastor Carlos opened the series by reminding us that God is a rewarder of those who passionately and diligently seek him. Pastor Bryce turned our attention to the importance of reading and obeying the word of God, while our sister Vera Schmitz encouraged us with her story and powerful method of scripture memory. How many of y'all memorize that scripture? Did I, I get a show of hands? Got two or three of y'all. That's all right. Um, <laughs> last week, Pastor Jonathan challenged us to hunger for God through the spiritual discipline of fasting, which a large majority of a large majority of majority of us did this past Wednesday before the members meeting. This week, I've been given the task to speak on worship as a spiritual discipline. What's unique about this topic is that in my years of ministry, I have not often heard it or referred to it as a, sp a spiritual discipline, and rightfully so because all spiritual disciplines we focused on in this series, in addition to others such as communion, and fellowship or, or, or connection in community and missions are all acts of worship to the Lord. But today I hope to bring a fresh awareness to the topic of worship, particularly in our expression of worship as a vital practice in our passionate pursuit of Jesus. So this morning I'd like to offer to you as a title, I will bless the Lord. Now, I need you to look, look across the, the row and say, I will, I will. Bless, the Lord. bless the Lord. Maybe look behind you or in front of you and say, I will, I will. bless the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now before I move any further, I want to give you the backstory of Psalm 34. See, if, if you open up your Bible and you read the inscription before Psalm 34, it gives you an idea or an indication of what was going on. And so this story takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 10, over into chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And so I originally, uh, I originally planned to paraphrase the story, but I thought it best if we read it so we can clearly see the context in which this psalm was written. And so I want to bring your attention to 1 Samuel chapter 21, starting... At verse 10. 
And this is how it reads. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, one thing that if you open your Bibles and you read that inscription before Psalm 34, it says Abimelech. Abimelech was not actually the king's name. That was his title, similar to how Pharaoh is the title of the king in Egypt. And so that's who Abimelech is. But it's actually talking about the king Achish. And he said to him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, behold, See, the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? What he said, I got enough crazy folks around me. Why you got this one? This one. That's what he's saying. That's what that means. Shall this fellow come into my house? And so in Chapter 22, starting at verse 1, it says, David departed from there out of the presence of King Achish and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone, I want you guys to catch this, who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. In other words, everyone who was broke busted and disgusted, gathered to David. Now, that's an interesting bunch of people to gather to David. This man has literally returned from running for his life, and then all of his kinsmen come and gather to him, and they were distressed, in debt, and discontented, or dissatisfied with their circumstances in life. And then it says, he became the commander over them, and there with him were about 400 men, at least 400. That's not including the possibility of women and children. So at least 400 folks who were, who were distressed and, and dissatisfied with their plight in life gathered in the cave of Adullam. Now that's the backstory of Psalm 34. Now that we have read this story, the opening statement of Psalm 34 bears a weight of significance, which leads me to my first point. David practices the discipline of worship through personal exaltation. What I love about the opening statement, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth, is that it displays a bold demonstration of David's devotion to God. He says this before he gives any explanation or re reason as to why. This shows us that David had a holy resolve, that despite what he was experiencing, God was worthy of his worship. 
See, David was no stranger to calamity, and throughout his life, the Lord, time after time, proved to be faithful in the midst of his distress. In fact, many of David's psalms, which is a collection of songs and prayers, were birthed in the midst of adversity. Psalm 18 is about David when he was delivered from his enemies and from Saul. Psalm 52, Doeg the Edomite tells Saul that David went to the house of Ahimelech. Psalm 54, the Ziphites tell Saul that David is hiding among them. Psalm 56, the Philistines seize David in Gath. Psalm 57, David flees from Saul into another cave. Psalm 59, Saul sends men to watch David's house in order to kill him, just to name a few. So we see that the Lord allowed hardship in David's life and used it to make a worshiper out of David. Yeah, these psalms are songs and and they're prayers, but they were birthed in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of heartache. But David had a holy resolve that no matter what he went through, that I will bless the Lord. See, I can hear you saying, Mark, that's, that's good for David. You know, he was in the Bible. He, he loved the Lord. See, yeah, I, but, but what about me? I'd like to submit to you that could it be that the Lord has allowed you to endure hardship to make a devoted worshiper out of you and to experience the nearness of his presence? Could it be that he's using that broken relationship? Could it be that he's using that failed dream? Could it be that he's using the disappointment of unmet expectations? Could it be that troubled child that you've been wrestling with? Could it be unemployment or be it sickness, fear, anxiety, or depression, trouble in your finances? Look, whatever the problem or the circumstance, could it be that the Lord is using it and has allowed it to enter into your life to make a worship out of you, a worshiper out of you? Without question, I would say yes, because you know what? God wants to know, will you praise me at all times? Will you bless me at all times? Will you exalt my name at all times? Maybe you've strayed away from the Lord or you are struggling with your faith because of a difficult circumstance in your life. What if I told you that the very thing that seemingly drove you away from God was actually meant to push you directly towards him? I'll say it again. What, what, what if, what if I told you that the very thing that drove you away from God was actually meant to push you directly towards him? See, what God is trying to teach me, what he is trying to teach you, what he is trying to teach us is that worship is not contingent on a feeling. It's not contingent upon your favorite song. It's not contingent upon your jam or your preferred style of worship. But it is rooted in this, that regardless of where I find myself in life, that God is worthy of all the praise. 
Yeah, see, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. You definitely want to praise the Lord for good things. You want to praise him for those bountiful blessings. You want to praise him for that fierce favor that he shows to us. But what I'm trying to let you know and get you to understand that if you only find yourself motivated to worship when things are going well, your worship is in danger of being shallow. And so the Lord allows hardship, he allows difficulty, he allows trials to enter into your life so that he can make a worshiper out of you, so that he can make you somebody who unconditionally gives God's pra- give God praise regardless. And no, this is not of our own doing, that's why he wraps up this personal exaltation with, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. What is he saying? He said, I'm not boasting in my strength. I'm not boasting in my skills or my abilities or my influence. But when I consider the mercy of God and all he has brought me through, my soul bursts forth in utter jubilation and personal exaltation. So refresh, when you hear your brother or your sister praising, let that serve as a reminder of God's goodness. Let it be an indication of his faithfulness in your life. That's why he says, let the humble hear and be glad. See, you of lowly estate. See, that's all of us. We all are are people of lowly estate. See, you who understand that you did not make it where you are on your own. Be glad when you hear someone boasting about the Lord. Be glad and personally exalt the Lord despite your circumstances. Hallelujah. So this moves us to the second point. David exercises the discipline of worship through public exhortation. So he moves and he goes to one of the popular pericopes. I just had to use that uh, deep word just... (laughs) I just, I had to, I, I, told, I told the staff this week that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few preacher things because it's been a while. And so, pericope, that's the word for the day. It just means an excerpt of a larger passage. That's all it means. And so, um, <laughs> and, and I also talked about how Psalm 34 is one of those passages where you can preach literally 15 messages. I mean, you can take one excerpt and just wear that thing out all day and, and talk about it for an entire week or an entire month. But, but I'm, I'm going to try to stay focused and just deliver what God has given me today. So it says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David starts with this exhortation off with an invitation to come and bless the Lord with me. You can't help but to assume that David is referring to the 400 that joined him in the cave. And what I like about this invitation is that it shifts the focus away from the plight of the situation that everyone was in, including the one that David was in, to glorifying God while still addressing how God can meet the need. Uh, And and here's a quick lesson or a discipline I think that we can take from this particular passage. See, as believers, we have to cultivate a rhythm of corporate worship. 
See, I know that we are a busy culture and we have responsibilities, but we have to bring a fresh priority to the gathering of ourselves together, be it Sunday morning, be it grow night, grow groups, life groups, men's and women's ministry like made men and oasis. Why is this important, you may ask? Well, it's one thing to praise God by yourself, but it's another thing when believers get together and begin to testify of the goodness of Jesus and hear the word of God. It, bring encourage, it brings encouragement to the soul and gladness to the heart because you know that you are not alone. Although we may enter into the same place in distress, in debt, and dissatisfied with circumstances in our life, when we come together, we can use it as an opportunity to relate to one another and to remind each other that God is faithful through the darkest of times. When we experience the grace of God in the body of Christ, we often experience it through testimonies. We experience it through trials. We experience through the struggles of our brothers and sisters. And that's why Story Sunday, which happened the Sunday after Thanksgiving, was so powerful. And I was reminded of Brother Jed who shared, I believe it was in the, the first service, and he, were, he, he, he talked about his story. And one thing that he, he, he mentioned was that how he was struggling to find employment. He had recently came to the United States from the Philippines, and he was trying to find employment, and he said he got rejected time and time again, and it started to uh, cause him to look at himself differently because he wanted to provide for his family, and he felt alone, and he felt like he was in despair, and, and he just didn't know what to do. But then a, a page turns in his story, and he said, you know what, I just started to go into my living room and play praise and worship music. I just started to worship God and I fell on my knees and I just started to say, Lord, I thank you even though I don't understand. And then he said, and from there, I started to go to church. I started to get connected. I started to serve. I started to be in the midst of God's people. And what he said, he said, things did not change immediately, but my perspective changed. And, and, and I had hope. And see, we see this pattern even in his story where he's, he personally exalted the Lord despite his circumstance, despite, his, 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 despite not being able to find employment at the moment, but he gave God praise. Even through his tears, he gave God honor. And then he got into the assembly of the saints so he can receive encouragement and he can see God working. This is why it's important that we come together to look away from our problems to the God who can solve them. Look at how David's exhortation addresses the plight of the distressed, indebted, and discontented. To all three of these states of being, the word of God says here in Psalm 34, that those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be put to shame. Those who look to him the Lord, are radiant in their faces, shall never be put to shame. If this is true, then the question I want to pose to you today is, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you beholding? See, when I was preparing for this message, the Lord spoke to me and said he wants his people to know that they must look to him. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. See, he said that we are focused on the wrong things. We are too busy looking at our problems and our circumstances, and we are allowing them to strip us of joy, peace, worship, and devotion to God. He's not asking us to ignore the trials or act like that they don't exist, but what he wants us to see is him working through them. And so, and so to the distressed, to the, to the one that is in deep sorrow and experiencing anxiety and is experiencing grief, he says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. So today, if you are brokenhearted, if you are experiencing some pain and some sorrow and some grief because a situation that has entered into your life, just know that Jesus is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. To those in debt, this is all in Psalm 34. He says, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe you got a lot of student loans. Maybe you're in debt. Maybe you have some bad investments. Maybe you've fallen on hard times and you don't know what to do. You don't got two pennies to rub together. But what I want to tell you is that if you seek the Lord, that you lack no good thing. Why am I saying this? Because if you have Jesus, you have everything. Now, as I was, I was, as I was preparing for this and I seen this scripture, the young lions suffer want and hunger, it, it, I couldn't help but to think about when I used to watch National Geographic and Discovery Channel growing up. And one of my favorite programs was, was when they were covering the, the lions, the prides of lions in Africa. And... It made me think of like, you know, when the little cubs, the little male cubs were growing up and they were developing into these strong animals and, you know, they would start to get a mane. You see it kind of come in, look a little ruddy. Um, but then they would compete to see who was going to be the leader of the pride. And then the one, you know, it'd probably be three of them, but it would be one that was looking real skinny. You could see his ribs and stuff <laughs> because he wasn't strong enough to compete with the others. It kind of made me think of, of the Lion King. It kind of made me think of Scar. You know, Scar looked raggedy, didn't he? <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorite movies. But it, it made me think that, look, you don't have to worry about looking like Scar. You don't have to worry about look, your ribs showing and, and being exposed because if you have the Lord and if you seek him, you lack no good thing. <laughs> to the discontent, he says... The ones who are dissatisfied with your circumstances in life. Maybe things haven't worked the way that you wanted them to. Maybe there was a failed relationship. Maybe you were looking for an opportunity with employment and it fell through. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you were even struggling in your faith and just wondering like, man, is this, is this really worth it? The Lord wants you to know, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And what I believe the Lord wants you to know is that he desires for you to experience him. A, a, a sensory overload, if you will. He, taste and see. Because once you taste and you see of who God is, once you taste and see and you experience him for yourself, come hell or high water, you will know that God is faithful, that God will bring you out, that God can do anything but fail you.
can't take it away from you. Can't take it away from you. Can't take the experience when you've when you've experienced God, when you've been in His presence, when when you've known Him, when you've been in fellowship with Him. That's that's what keeps us going. That's that's what keeps our engine running. Is because life is going to bring us difficulty. Yes, life is going to bring us trial and hardship. But the confidence we have is that we serve a God that we know is faithful and who can bring us out and who can carry us through the fire. And we not get burned. Now, David moves further in Psalm 34, and he he goes into um, this instruction of the fear of the Lord. So he's he's walking, he's walking us through this this personal exaltation, and then this public exhortation, and this exhortation goes into a bit of instruction of how you should fear the Lord. And one thing the, I, I believe the Lord revealed to me as I was preparing and as I was reading this particular part of the psalm, which happens a little later, is, is that he says, keep your tongue from deceit. And he says, turn away from evil and do good. And he says, uh, seek peace and pursue it. And, and I believe that the Lord wanted me to share is that some of the things that come into our lives or some of the things that we're dealing with is, is not because there was a circumstance that happened out of our control. It's because we weren't fearing the Lord and we weren't seeking him like we should have. That's why he says, turn away from evil and do good. Some of us are still running after things that are not beneficial to the, our spiritual health. And so some of us are still struggling, and it's, it's okay. That's, that's why we're here, to, to be encouraged. Some of us are still wrestling and battling with things and, and habits and, and, and different things that are keeping us down and, and, and placing a wedge between us and the Lord. And what he's saying is that turn away from those things. Life is already hard enough. Things are already going to enter into your life that you can't control. So turn away from those things that are going to make it even worse. So we see that David starts with a personal exaltation, and then he moves into a public exhortation, and then the discipline of worship now comes from a prophetic revelation. Now, this is where I say, as I close, <laughs> that means I'm about to preach for 35 more minutes. I just, <laughs> just want you to know. So you... I'm just joking. I'm, I'm closing. <laughs> so as I bring our time to an end, I want to bring your attention to verses 19 and 20. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Or as I heard it growing up, many are the afflictions <laughs> of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. I'm going to hang there for a minute. And so I begin to think about this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, those who are walking with God, those of us who have accepted the Lord and we're walking with him and we're accepting his imputed righteousness because of his sacrifice on the cross that now we have been made right. See, our righteousness does not prevent us from, from 
experiencing hardship or afflictions. That's why he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And so I begin to think of Hebrews and that cloud of witnesses, the people that he talked about who had gone before and who, who had had faith. And I started to think of people in the Bible that were afflicted, but even through their afflictions, they gave God praise. That even through their difficulty, they worshiped the Lord and they brought their, their, their heart, they poured out their heart before the Lord, even in the midst of their pain. And so I, I said, okay, Lord, who, who should I mention? And he said, consider Hannah. This was Samuel's mother who wept bitterly before the Lord because she desired to bear children. And she prayed to the Lord to look on the affliction of your servant. And, and she said, but we, uh, uh, excuse me, Look to the affliction of your servant and remember me and do not forget your servant. See, Hannah desired to bear a child and her, 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 her uh, counterpart who, Peninnah, she had children with her husband and she was wanting a child and she whipped bitterly before the Lord so much so that her prayers just sounded like babbling and, and, and the priest thought that she was losing her mind. But she said, no, no, I'm just weeping bitterly. And she prayed to the Lord, look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and do not forget me. Or consider the prophet Jeremiah, who was called to a stiff-necked people who would not heed the voice of God. He expressed anguish over this reality and was even thrown into a pit. Yet this is the same prophet in the book of Lamentations who said in the midst of devastating grief, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It's because of your mercies that we are not consumed. Because thy compassion fails not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, if, 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 if. Prophet Jeremiah is not enough. Consider Job, who lost nearly everything, including his children, livestock, and possessions, who was stricken with boils and sickness and ridiculed by his friends and his wife. In the midst of all that, you know what he said? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job had a resolve that despite what he was going through, despite what he was enduring, that he said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you don't want to consider Joel, then maybe consider Paul, who wrote in 2 Corinthians 1 about hardship he experienced on a missionary journey. Here's what he said. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we were despair of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us what? To rely not on ourselves, but to rely on God. You remember what I said? Maybe it is possible that the Lord has allowed you to endure hardship and to experience this difficult time so that you can rely on him and that you won't rely on yourself. Then he said he delivered us from a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. But last and certainly not least, consider Jesus, Emmanuel, 
God with us. Consider him who was described in Isaiah 53 like this. Surely he borne our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and what? Afflicted. Yeah, yeah. Let's look to him who became sin, though he never knew it. So we might become the righteousness of God. Yes, consider Jesus, who in his last hour said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Yeah, let's consider Jesus who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. See, Jesus... Jesus, who endured the most unfathomable suffering in history, loved his father so much that he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This same Jesus went through devastating affliction for the joy that was set before him. What is this joy, you are probably wondering? The joy of dwelling with his father forever and bringing sinners like you and I into the kingdom that we may glorify God for his grace and for his mercy. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so look no further. Look no further. You can go past Hannah. You can go past Job. You can go past Jeremiah. You can go past Paul. And you can go straight to Jesus. Yeah, you can go straight to Jesus. Yeah. He knows what it feels like to suffer. He knows what it feels like to resist temptation. But nevertheless, he was committed to his Father's will, and this was his ultimate expression of worship. If the Savior of the world can endure such suffering, who are we to sit on God? Who are we to withhold our praise? Who are we to not give it all that we got? We have to bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in our mouths. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we see Jesus as this Passover lamb, whom in John 19 was found dead on the cross by soldiers, and they did not break his bone. See, this happened in order to fulfill the prophecy in Psalm 30, 34, 20, given some a thousand years before. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteousness, the righteous, but the Lord will, will deliver them out of them all. And it said, his bones will not be broken. See, the, the, this was talking about Jesus. See, when the soldiers found him in John 19, he had already passed and went on, but, but his legs, they, see, a custom that they would do is that they would break the legs, but they didn't break Jesus' legs. And see, what the writer in Psalm, David, didn't even know, he didn't even understand what he was saying, but he was causing us to look at Jesus. He was causing us to see Jesus for who he is. This Jesus was nailed to the cross, buried in the tomb, but on the third day rose with all power so that you and I would glorify God. So that you and I would glorify God. So I want to encourage you, encourage you today that no matter what you are going through, no matter what situation that you find yourself in, no matter the fear that is, that is gripping you, no matter the anxiety that is nagging you, no matter the depression that is weighing you down, that if you would just get it in your heart and that if you would just get it in your spirit, that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear 
here and be glad. Come on. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship is born in adversity. Worship is born in the valley. And what I want you to know and I want you to understand today that when we come together and when we're encouraging you to be exuberant and pushing you to praise, it's not flippant, it's not frivolous, it's not so that we can be excited and be happy-go-lucky, but it's really to point to the fact that regardless of what you might be experiencing, that God is still worthy of our praise. That's what worship is. It's worth-ship. It's worth, he's worthy of it all. And so I want to encourage you today as, as, as we prepare for response. If, if you need prayer, if you need some encouragement, if you need somebody to touch and agree with you, we'll have people here at the front that will pray with you. And then we're going to respond uh, by singing and worshiping the Lord. Amen. Amen. Say, I will bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.